It is good to be here at Mount Zion to be able to preach God's Word today. And brother, you got it correct. That is exactly uh, my title, Pastor Wellness Catalyst for Southwest Georgia. And if you're wondering what in the world uh, do I do, my main responsibility is to be a pastor to pastors and their families. I get to go around all of Southwest Georgia and just be a minister to our ministers and uh, church staff. And I just want you to know, um, I heard a quote not too long ago. He who ministers to ministers ministers to multitudes because the pastor is the one who is preaching and the pastor oftentimes he is the one who is looking after his flock. He's the uh, one shepherding the people that God has entrusted him with. Um, at times there, he's the one where you come and basically dump your problems on him and he's praying for you. He's trying to guide and direct you but when the pastor's going through uh, difficulties, or they just need someone to talk to. That's where I can come alongside of them and help them. So I appreciate Aaron allowing me to have the responsibility of uh, filling the pulpit today. I do know some of you. I see some familiar faces out there. I know these two on the front row very well. They've known me my entire life, and I just think think the world of uh, Mr. Larry, Miss Dorothy, and the history that I have uh, with them. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn to Ezekiel chapter 36. I'm going, only going to read one verse of scripture this morning, verse number 26. Ezekiel 36, verse number 26. And I've entitled the message this morning, God's aiming for your heart. God's aiming for your heart. Ezekiel 36, verse number 26. Found your place, say amen. amen. The Bible says, I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you for the opportunity that you've given us to be in your house on this Lord's Day. Father, I praise your name for Mount Zion Baptist Church. I thank you for this church being a lighthouse and a witness for you here in this community. I'm thankful for Pastor Aaron and his family, Lord, and I just pray that you will just continue to pour into him and his family as they continue to pour into this church family here. Father, it is indeed a pleasure to be in your house. We are here to exalt you. We are here to praise your name, Lord. Because when we come into this house, Lord, one thing we need to remember, it's not about us. It is all about you. And Jesus, we just want to magnify and glorify you today. Thank you for the songs of praise that we have already heard. And Father, we pray that you'll just bless this time as we continue to worship you through the proclamation of your word. And I pray all of this in your wonderful name. Amen. Do we have any deer hunters in the house or any hunters in general? Any deer hunters in the house? Okay, I see a few hands. I love to deer hunt. Being raised in southwest Georgia over in Worth County my entire life, uh, my dad farming uh, my entire life, I've always had the opportunity and uh, numerous places to go deer hunting. But just think about it for a moment if you're a deer hunter. You're sitting in that deer stand and you're, and you're watching across the field and about 250 to 300 yards steps out of the woods that Boone and Crockett buck 
And as you see that buck and you put your gun on that deer to take aim, where do you aim? Most, if not all of us, know that we aim in the general area of the shoulder or right behind the shoulder. And some may think that you aim there simply because that is a bigger spot to aim for and you're less likely to miss, and that can be true. But the greatest reason you aim for that area is because of the, it's the region of the vital organs. And we know in that vicinity you can find the deer's lung, but there's also another vital organ there, which is the heart. And if you shoot that deer in the shoulder or behind the shoulder, that bullet should strike the heart. But at the very least, that bullet will cause trauma to that deer's heart and hopefully you will have a successful hunt. And I'm here this morning at Mount Zion to tell you the Lord, He is like a skilled hunter. And He is aiming for every one of our hearts and I'm going to tell you why right here from the book of Ezekiel. A little bit of background and context. Ezekiel is both a priest and prophet of God. And he's called by God to minister during minister to the people of Judah during one of the most horrific and dark times in that nation's history. This man Ezekiel is called to minister to pastor these people while they are in captivity in a pagan land called Babylon. And he's called to minister to these people while they're in captivity for 70 years. But why in the world are they in captivity? I mean, why in the world were they dragged from their homeland and placed in a country, a different country, as slaves? Well, if you read the prophets closely you will realize it's because of their hearts. You see, for quite some time, God's people, for the majority, were straying from the Lord. The Scripture teaches us that they did not have a heart for God, but they had a heart for the things of this world. There's times in the Old Testament it says that God's people did what was right in their own eyes. And things have not changed. There are still people today who are do, think they're doing right in their own eyes, but it's contrary to what God has said in His Word. Sin, the lust of the flesh, had become more appealing to many in the nation of Judah than their walk with God. But God being a good God, God being a merciful God, He sent men, He sent prophets, to declare the word of the Lord, to warn people of their sins, to warn people of their transgressions, to let them know that their hearts had strayed from Him and how they were ignoring the word of the Lord. But because they ignored the messenger and because they ignored the word of the Lord, God had to punish their sin. And God punished their sin in this instance by sending them into captivity into Babylon. And now we come to chapter 36 of Ezekiel and the people have been slaves in this country for quite some time. And in this chapter, Ezekiel is reminding them once again why they are in Babylon. In verse number 17, it says, They defiled their land with the, their ways and their deeds. 
In verse number 18 it said they had committed idolatry. And idolatry is simply this. Loving something else or loving someone else more than you do the Lord God. It also tells us here in Ezekiel 36 that they had profaned the name of God. They had taken His name in vain. But even though they were reminded of why they were there, God also continued to remind them of His ultimate desire for them. He desired for them to be His people. And He desired for them to know that He was their God. He desired to forgive. He desired to cleanse them from their sin. But how could this be accomplished? Well, that's where verse 26 tells us. The only way to be cleansed and to be forgiven of our sin is by receiving a new heart. You see, the problem with the children of Israel is the same problem of all humanity. All humanity has a heart problem. The prophet Jeremiah states that the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. How many of you ever heard the advice, just follow your heart? Well, I want you to know that that advice is not found in Scripture nowhere because the Bible tells us that our hearts are wicked and our hearts will lead us astray. But over and over and over again, the Bible teaches us to follow Jesus Christ. Follow Him in all that we do. Paul states in the book of Romans, there's none righteous. No, not one. Not even the preacher. There's none of us who come into this world pleasing God. Why is that? Simply because we're all born with a sin nature. Paul puts it this way in Ephesians 2. You're dead because of your trespasses and sins. When you and I are conceived in our mother's wombs and we are born, we are born spiritually dead because we are sinners. So all of us come into the world with the same problem. We're sinners. And because we're sinners, we have a heart problem. A little over 41 years ago, there was a lady by the name of Kathy. And Kathy was the head nurse of labor and delivery at Phoebe Hospital in Albany, Georgia. She was pregnant herself at the time and she was working the night shift. And on that particular night, things were going uh, very slowly, so she decided that she would do an ultrasound of her own baby to check and see how the, her baby was doing in the womb, to check the progress of her baby. And as she began to do that ultrasound on herself, she noticed that there was something very wrong with her baby. Something was wrong with her baby's heart. A normal baby in the womb has a heart rate of about 130 to 150, 60 beats a minute. The reason I know that is because I saw both of my boys on that ultrasound machine and I saw their heart and it was getting, that was a thumping gizzard. I mean, it was going fast. 150 beats a minute, a healthy heart. 
But Kathy's baby in the womb had a heart rate of about 40 to 50 beats a minute. She began to consult with several doctors and there was a few doctors that told her her best option was to abort the child because the baby would never survive outside of the womb. Well, Kathy didn't listen to those few doctors' advice. She placed her life and the life of her child in the, in the palm of God's hand and said, God, your will is going to be done. The time came for that baby to be born, and that baby was born at Phoebe. Kathy kissed that baby. They took that baby, put it on an ambulance, and shipped that baby to Eggleston Hospital where she spent the very the first several weeks of her life up there. That beautiful baby girl was born with a very severe heart defect, but she's been my wife now for 18 years. Now, my wife, Laney, was born with a physical heart defect. And since she was 14 years old, her heart requires a pacemaker. She can't live without one. She is fully paced 24-7, by a pacemaker. But I tell you that story to say this. We might not have been born with a physical heart defect like my wife personally has. But we have all been born with a spiritual defect to our heart. And that defect is sin. But the good news is this. God in His love does not want us to go around with a spiritual defected heart. God's desire since Adam and Eve rebelled against him in the garden is to give men and women, boys and girls, a new heart. I mean, right here in this Old Testament passage, Ezekiel tells us that God states, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit within you. And you may be sitting here this morning, I don't know, and you're thinking, you know, that sounds like me. You've hit the nail on the head. No wonder there are, th there are times in my life I've done some things I know I shouldn't have done. Or I've said some things I know I shouldn't have said. Or let's get very personal. I've even thought things that I should have never thought in the first place. And you're right. And the reason that those things happen in your life is because you're a sinner and you have a defected heart. What does the Bible say about sin? The Bible tells us that sin separates us from God. God being a holy God must what? He must punish sin. The Bible states the soul that sins must die. So according to scripture, you and I deserve punishment. You and I, what we deserve is condemnation. We deserve judgment. We deserve hell because of our sin. Well, preacher, if that's the case, is there any hope? Is there any hope for you? Is there any hope for me? Is there any hope for this world around us? And the good news is, yes. Well, how can I have this new heart put within me? Well, I'm glad you asked. There's a beautiful story told in the Gospel of John chapter 3. Jesus, God's only Son, has come to the world. And on this particular evening, this particular night, He meets with a man 
by the name of Nicodemus. And Nicodemus was a respected man. Nicodemus was a prestigious man. He was a good, devout Jew. He was a religious man. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. By Nicodemus just being a Pharisee, he would have had the first five books of the Old Testament completely memorized. I can barely remember the first five books of the Bible. But he had all five memorized, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And Jesus came to this well-respected man. This man, if he was a citizen in this community right here, he'd be sitting on the front row of this church this morning. And Jesus looked at him and said, Unless you are born again, Nicodemus, you will not see the kingdom of God. Translations, unless you undergo a spiritual heart transplant, unless you receive a new heart, you cannot go to heaven. And I don't know about you, but to me, that is a wow factor. And the reason that is a wow factor, we would think, now if Jesus told this to a crook, a thief, a murderer, someone along those lines, we would say, okay, they need a new heart. But Jesus takes this opportunity to show us that even a good, prestigious, respected, religious man has just as great as need as the murderer, thief, and crook. We all need to be born again. You see, everybody has the same problem. It's sin. And everybody has the same need. They need a new heart. So how do we receive this new heart? Well, Jesus tells us in John 3. And Jesus uses scripture. He looks at Nicodemus. Nicodemus is looking at him. How is this possible? How can I enter my mother's womb a second time? And Jesus looks at him and says, Nicodemus, aren't you a teacher of Israel? And you don't know these things. And so Jesus just simply takes him to the book of Numbers. And he says, Nicodemus, you remember... The book of Numbers? He said, yeah, I got it completely memorized. Now, I'm just using my sanctified imagination here. We know that's not in the text. Yeah, I know all about that, that book. Well, you remember that instance where the people had sinned against God, against the Father? And because of their sin and rebellion, the Father sent poisonous snakes. And those poisonous snakes began... I forgot my snakes this morning. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That woke y'all up. <laughs> and those snakes began to bite the people. And the Bible says those people began to die. Moses, who is a picture of Jesus in some instances, what did he do? He began to intercede on behalf of the people. He began to pray for the Father. Father, have mercy on them. Father, don't let them die. And the father heard his prayer and he said, Moses, what I want you to do is to get your pole and make a bronze serpent and put that serpent on the pole and go out among the people and just lift it up. And those who have been bitten by them poisonous snakes, if they will just look to that pole, they will not die. And Jesus looks at Nicodemus and said, I was the bronze serpent on the pole, Nicodemus. 
I'm him. Because the Son of Man must be lifted up on a pole, an old rugged cross. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in me shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him may be saved. Friends, Jesus was lifted up on an old rugged cross. And we all have been bitten by the poison of sin. We all have a spiritually defected heart. And the only way to get rid of that is to look to Jesus and Him alone. I'm here today just to tell you, God loves you so much that He gave His Son Jesus. And he gave his son Jesus in order for you to have new life. And the Bible tells us in the New Testament, if you confess that you're a sinner and you look to Jesus for your salvation, you will be saved. Not because the pastor says so, but because the book, the word of God says so. If you desire this morning to have a spiritual heart transplant, if you desire to be forgiven of all your sins, all you have to do is look to Christ alone. It's not Jesus plus this or Jesus plus that. It's Jesus plus nothing gives you everything. That's why Paul said in Ephesians 2, For by grace you have been saved through faith, not of works. It's only by the grace of God that we're saved. Because Jesus hung on an old rugged cross. And everyone who looks to Him will be saved. The religious, those who've been in church their whole life, those who've never stepped foot in a church, Jesus died to give them life and life more abundantly. Friends, that's why God is aiming for your heart. Because the heart is the root of all of our problems. It's the root of your problem. And it's the root of my problem. But here God is telling us. He has given us the opportunity to be changed. And if we will just believe on the Christ. The son of the living God. We will have everlasting life. And friends, I don't care what this world teaches. He is the only way to be saved. And He will save you right now. And He will make you brand spanking new according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Old things will pass away. Behold, He'll make all things new. Remember what God said here? I will take that heart of stone out of you. And I will give you that new heart. How is that accomplished? Just fast forward to the New Testament. By Jesus coming, by Him giving His life, and Him rising from the dead on the third day. Amen? That's the gospel. That is the good news. We as sinners who deserve God's judgment, God instead wants to give us His mercy and grace. And that can only be accomplished by receiving a new heart that only Jesus Christ can give you. I want to close by telling you another story. I pastored at Isabella for 16 years, 
16 wonderful years. And right up the road from Isabella is another church, Antioch Baptist Church. And Antioch and my church, we did a lot of things together. We did a, a lot of revival, joint revivals together. We did every fifth Sunday together. We just did a lot of ministry together because Brother Bruce, uh, he's been the pastor there now 27, 28 years. And I, we just have a good relationship. A lot of my family on the Jones side goes to Antioch. So we, we, I just know the people. I know him. And we just did ministry well together. But a little close to two years ago, Antioch had a very unique situation in their congregation. They had three individuals at one time that needed transplants. Three. One was a little boy who needed a bone marrow transplant for his cancer. One was a young lady. She's probably 10 or 12 years younger than me, somewhere in there. She needed a heart and a kidney. And then our cousin needed a liver. Now, we all know that there's a lot of people that stay on a transplant list for quite some time. And there are some that succumb to their health conditions because what they need never comes available. But God orchestrated something there that only God could do. All three of them got transplants in the same year. The same year. That little bitty boy got his bone marrow transplant and he's cancer-free been cancer free for two years praise the Lord and he I'm not saying his is not is as important as the other but you and I can give somebody bone marrow if they need it and not have to give up our life but for my cousin in order for him to get a liver guess what had to happen someone had to die For that young lady, in order for her to get that heart and kidney, someone had to die. And the only way that her, her procedure would work is that heart and kidney had to come from the exact same person. Or it wouldn't work. You see, in the instance for my cousin and for this young lady, someone had to give up their life physically for them to continue to have physical life here on this earth. They had to have a transplant, a physical Friends, I just close today reiterating this point one more time. Someone had to die in order for us to receive a new heart. Someone had to pay the ultimate price. And it couldn't just be anyone. It had to be a perfect one. And that's why John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus walking by the Jordan River, he looked at disciples and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. You see, only one who had no sin could die for those who are guilty. And the one who died with no sin, he is able to give us, impute to us his righteousness if we just believe in him. His life for our life. And we 
we sing a hymn in our church, Baptist churches all the time, Jesus paid it all. And friend, I want you to know he truly paid it all for you to have a new heart. And we're going to have a hymn of invitation in just a minute. And this altar is going to be open. And if you need Christ, I want you to know he'll save you. And just in case you may be sitting there, well, Pastor, you don't know what I've done. I don't need to know what you've done. God knows what you've done, and I want you to know he'll forgive you. He'll forgive you through the blood of the Lamb. Or you may be sitting here today. I know there's a lot of Christians in this place, and you've already received a heart transplant. Maybe that heart transplant was 50, 60 years ago. Maybe it was just last week. I don't know. But you might want to just come down here and say, God, I didn't deserve it. But praise be unto you that you looked down and you saw fit to save my soul and to write my name in the Lamb's book of life. God only you could do that. And I just want to praise you and serve you. You just do what the Spirit leads you to do as we have our invitation. Let's pray. Father, I do thank you again for the opportunity and the wonderful privilege to preach your word one more time. And Lord, I thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on a cross so that we could have life everlasting. And Father, it's through him and him alone that we can have this spiritual heart transplant that we all need. And Father, I just want your spirit to have your will and your way during this time as we worship you during this invitation. First, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.